You are now listening to the Autoimmune Doc Podcast with Dr. Taylor Crick. Dr. Taylor is an expert in helping those suffering with autoimmune disease, and he himself has autoimmune disease. Autoimmunity is rampant today. The purpose of this podcast is to educate about the underlying causes and natural solutions to halt autoimmune disease progression. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice. For more information from Dr. Taylor, visit www.autoimmuneeducationacademy.com. Without further ado, here's your host, Dr. Taylor Crick. Welcome to the Autoimmune Doc Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Taylor Crick, and I love explaining the underlying mechanisms behind chronic disease and autoimmunity. And today's topic of toxicity and thyroid are are central to every functional medicine and chronic disease case. The thyroid affects everything, every every you know, cell in your body has receptor for thyroid hormone. It's very, very important systemically. And toxins are also very, very, very important systemically. So before I just start going on toxins and thyroid, uh, follow me on Instagram. It's at autoimmune doc. That's a great place to just keep up with some info that we're putting out, some content. You can also schedule a free 15-minute phone consult with me. So I always forget to mention that in the, in the podcast. Um, but a lot of you have done that. A lot of you know people do that. Um, but that's the easiest way to get a foot in the door for our practice or for our clinic. I also want to encourage you to check out our website where we sell all of our physician-grade supplements. It's a password-protected website because that's what's required for physician-grade supplements. But once you're on there, I believe that we have the most well-curated functional medicine supplement store through the things that I've learned and the things that I use, we carry all the best brands and I talk about them a lot in the episodes and like what I like to use, different products from different brands. So check out our website. We actually just changed the website name so it's different than what's in our, our podcast intro. It's autoimmunedocpodcast.com. I think if you went to Autoimmune Education Academy, it would still forward you to our website, but check out our website at autoimmunedocpodcast.com. Schedule a free 15-minute phone console, buy some supplements, or follow me on Instagram, follow me on YouTube, or also leave us a rating and a review. So that's always something I like to to ask for. You know, rating and reviews are how other people find this podcast. And I've got a series of podcasts, you know, coming out right now. I always hate to say like, hey, I'm gonna do another one next week, because then it will be a month until I do another one. But I have one that is already recorded that you'll you'll you know will be released before this one. Um and then I'm going to do a series of podcasts after this one about toxicity. So my last one is about toxicity that's going to be released here pretty soon. And it's just kind of a rant about toxins. But I talk about how toxins just keep, you know, they, they, they keep coming to my office. So obviously, that's never going to stop, probably. And I also laugh about that in the other podcasts. Like, hey, toxins are a big deal. I guess I should get used to it because they've been a big deal for the last 10 years in my practice. They're always a big deal with autoimmunity, with chronic disease. And I just see toxic people. I see people with their timeline matches up with toxin exposure. I see people that their labs match up with toxin exposure. I see people that know that they are getting sick from their environment and the medical system seems to have no answers for them. So a lot of my patients... I always joke that they have a cardiologist, they have a rheumatologist, they have a gastroenterologist, they have a neurologist, and everybody sends them back to the psychologist and says nothing's wrong. Um, But that's often toxins, toxins, toxins. So if you can't find any other explanation, 
toxins is always a good explanation. I think that's also, I don't want it to become a scapegoat either to like, oh, it explains everything. You're just toxic. You know, different people have different toxic exposures, different toxic genetics, and there's a lot of nuance to toxicity and detox, but it's just so incredibly important. So again, today I'm talking about the top four toxins that affect the thyroid. And the thyroid is a major, 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 major problem, right? I mean, it's the, the number one most common autoimmune disease. It's an autoimmune disease that I have. It's an autoimmune disease that my dad has. We have never screened my, my sisters or anything. Um, but it's just incredibly prevalent. Thyroid problems, hypothyroidism, and autoimmune thyroid conditions. And one of the causes for that is toxins. You know, there there's always multiple causes and it's never just one thing like, you know, you just ate gluten and you got thyroid disease uh, is probably unlikely. But gluten and toxins and stress and hormonal fluctuations and more toxins and all the things add up. And then there's, you know, one straw that maybe breaks the camel's back, but it's just a pile of straw. There's oftentimes not necessarily a needle in that haystack, but toxins. The thyroid is very susceptible to toxicity. Uh, the thyroid is also very susceptible to oxidative stress. So the reason the, the birth of this podcast was because a patient of mine that I had uh, who came in, you, you know, a while ago at first, and he had thyroid issues, um, had Hashimoto's that, that had gone missed at another clinic and things like that. But he also had a, a skin rash and it was very annoying and very bad and it is very limited diet. And long story short, we went through a, a you know series of protocols and we got to the point where he said, hey doc, I my diet is unrestricted. I said, well, I don't recommend that. But he was thrilled to death that he was unrestricted. His skin rash had gone away, his brain fog, his headaches, a lot of things had cleared up. And his fatigue, those were his top complaints. And he said, I'm ready for a maintenance phase. I I think we're done working on stuff. So we went into kind of a maintenance phase that lasted about two months, maybe. And he messaged and said, hey, I'm having a lot of new symptoms. And, And, you know, he explained them to me. And I said, okay, ding, 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 let's go and look for toxins. And then I also see other members of his family, and they're all concerned about thyroid function, and, and, and reasonably so. But he started thinking about, and then started getting some of his labs back, and start seeing some of the toxins that he's been exposed to. And it's like, oh, ding, ding, ding. Other members of your family are likely exposed to the same toxins. Things like mold toxins, which is not on my list today, but things that are found in the drinking water. And these, these, uh, this family, actually, I don't want to say too much because I don't want anybody to know who they are, but they're organic farmers. So they don't use pesticides and herbicides, but we're finding things that are running off into the groundwater and drinking water is a likely likelihood. Um, and they weren't always organic farmers. And if you know anything about central Illinois, if you have an organic farm, you are in the middle of a lot of non-organic farms, right? And you're downwind of a lot of people spraying and a lot of, you know, stuff in the air and contaminated groundwater, you know, can come from anywhere. All of our creeks, you know, my brother-in-law has a creek, my sister, creek in their backyard called Farm Creek. And we swim in it or, you know, fishing it or hiking it, you know, whatever. But what do you think that creek is filled with? It's called Farm Creek, right? And we take our kids, you know, we'll, we'll float uh, a, a, a river around here called Spoon River, but we try to do that around times when they haven't sprayed or there hasn't been a big rainstorm of a bunch of runoff of just like that river is pesticides and fertilizers. So anyway, I digress, but that was the birth of this podcast was going and looking for 
okay, gosh, this guy was doing really well. We've done a lot of protocols and, and, and he's had a lot of tremendous healing and then things bounce back and it's like, okay, we're not going to do the same thing again next time. Uh, let's look and see what else is going on. And we found high levels of toxins. So toxins cause problems. I, I think we all know that. And I have another podcast uh, about this. I, I've, I should have looked at what episode it is. I'll look it up real quick. I think it's 25, I want to say. Um, but yeah, where is it at? 25. Yeah, 25. Um, so episode number 25 is toxins and autoimmunity. And just in general, so toxins cause problems. Sometimes what they do is they bind to tissues and that causes adducts, which is new tissues or haptins. And new tissues means that your body does not recognize it. So your body might recognize, you know, thyroid tissue as, as fine and as a normal part of, of your body. But thyroid bound to mercury might show up as something different because that's a completely different tissue that your body might say, hey, I don't know what this is. I don't like this. This seems foreign. I'm going to attack this. So sometimes they bind to tissue and cause adducts and, and autoimmunity. Sometimes we can measure um, reactivity to toxins, like does somebody lost immune tolerance or does somebody have IgG or IgM antibodies to toxins and they've lost you know, just full-blown chemical tolerance, which is bad news also. But we can also measure um, effects of toxins. And then we can also measure levels of toxins and total body burden. Now, it is impossible to measure all toxins. You know, you see some studies where they measured uh, fetal uh, umbilical cord blood and stuff. And in most of those studies, they look at like 10 umbilical cords because it's really expensive to test for the screenings that they do. And so they found, I think one study found 210 toxic chemicals in umbilical cord blood and, and all the things. So it's hard to test for toxins. And we, again, the history is by far the most important thing. Do you live on a golf course? Do you live on a farm? Do you live in Florida? Do you live in Arizona? Do you live in somewhere where there's high radon? Do you live, you know, what have you done in your past? Are you a whitewater kayaker that's exposed to, you know, flagellates and, and parasites and things in the water? Are you, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever else, uh, a glass worker that's exposed to solvents? Are you a nail salon tech? Are you a hair, hair salon uh, you know, hairstylists, things like that. The history tells us a lot about which toxins we want to look for. Then we go and look for signs of those. So sometimes on labs, I'll see that as methylation markers. Sometimes I'll see that as glutathione markers. But again, it doesn't really tell us what which toxins we're aiming at. It just tells us that you have toxins. So let me get into this. Number one is going to be perchlorate, perchlorate, perchlorate. So perchlorate is... Um, it found uh, largely in uh, fertilizers, and and fertilizers is the best, the number one thing. But also rocket fuel, missiles, fireworks, flares, explosives, fertilizers, and bleach. Um, and, and I think that perchlorate is also maybe it's a different. I think it's perchlor. Oh, I need to look. Uh, but it's a different one that's more like uh, in um. Dry cleaning, and it has the word perk in it too. But anyway, that's perchlorate is what we're talking about, and perchlorate is often found in water supplies. Now, uh, most people aren't working with rocket fuel and missiles and fireworks and explosives. That sounds super cool, but that's not high likelihood. But what is high likelihood is fertilizers. Now, the story that I tell for this is my cousin is a, was a professional golfer, and I remember one time years ago 
you know, closer to home, more higher homeland security, 9-11 type stuff. He got held up at security in an airport because his golf clubs tested high for bombs. And it took several hours to figure this out. Why was his luggage testing high for bombs? But it was because he had dirt in the cracks of his golf club golf club heads that had fertilizers in it. And so that was flagging the system. And so golf courses, you know, if you're the greenskeeper, you say, oh, this place is so clean, you could eat off of it. But that is absolutely not true. And so people that live on golf courses, that's a, a, a top question on many toxicity questionnaires. But fertilizers are a major source. Perchlorate can disrupt the thyroid's ability to produce hormones. The EPA has labeled perchlorate a likely human carcinogen. Um, and so, and I have a study right here. Um, and I don't know, I, there's not much to say that perchlorate has uh, effects on the thyroid. You know, I guess I, I, they're talking about perchlorate exposure during pregnancy. And what it does though, is it perchlorate exposure during lactation. Um, yeah, this is actually interesting. Lactating women and their infants may also be particularly vulnerable to the thyroidal effects of environmental perchlorate exposure. So, and what it does, is it decreases iodine. It blocks iodine uptake, and iodine is very, very important. Now, I also want to touch on that real quick. That my mentor, Dr. Karazian, who is highly, highly studied in BPA, which is going to be the next toxin, and thyroid. He's very leery of, of iodine. So I'm not suggesting that you rush out and you supplement with iodine. Worldwide, the number one cause of hypothyroidism is iodine deficiency. In the US, that is pretty rare. And the number one cause of, of hypothyroidism in the US is Hashimoto's. And there is research that shows that iodine and iodine supplementation can make Hashimoto's worse. So I do not suggest that you rush out and take iodine necessarily, but iodine is very, very, very important for childhood development and for thyroid function. And that's what perchlorate does is it blocks iodine uptake. So perchlorate can be measured the only way that I know is through a, a, a urinary toxic test called the GPL tox from Great Plains Labs. Uh, I, I run this test, you know, again, when we're looking for toxins, and it, there's a bunch of others on there too. Um, and even, you know, this person that I'm, I have his lab in front of me, but there's also some persistent organic pollutants. There's also some other um, gasoline additives, some environmental toxins that we're exposed to. But for him, I wish you could see it, his perchlorate. The, the end of the bar, you know, the 95th percentile, he's, he reaches the end of the bar. So he's at the 100th percentile for levels of perchlorate. Um, and again, that's just quite interesting. We talk about toxins. So measuring perchlorate, avoiding perchlorate, reverse osmosis water should filter perchlorate. But my understanding is that it's very hard to filter as well. They actually use perchlorate uh, for hyperthyroidism as a medical treatment, uh, but they found that there's, there's found that there's, you know, just a, a lot of problems. Um, da, 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 da. So even with thyroid, um, people that had higher perchlorate levels of their drinking water in the U.S. had higher TSH values than those who did not. So when they just compare areas with high perchlorate to others, the TSH levels were higher. The TSH values of newborns at age one uh, living in a U.S. region where perchlorate levels were high. Uh, were not affected at, at one years old. So it takes some time and it's like a, a chronic exposure that has to happen all the time. 
uh, so like drinking water again for every day you're drinking water, drinking water, drinking water. Then after after time, your thyroid uptake gets blocked and your thyroid becomes hypothyroid. Um, that's that's kind of uh, how that happens. So I think that's really really important. And I don't want to talk any more about perchlorate. If you want this study, um, it is from best practices, best practical research in clinical endocrinology metabolism. Um, it's free, uh, a free full script on PubMed, and I can send it to you. Just ask. It's called Perchlorate Iodine in the Thyroid. The next one that I want to talk about is BPA. BPA, I think that most people know about BPA and BPA in plastics. Now, the problem with BPA right now is that it's a problem, and everybody knows that. So, guess what they put on the label? BPA free. But guess what? They can still have other bisphenols. There's other family members of, of BPA that basically do the exact same thing, um, and that is not good. Um, so yeah, and there's a lot of mechanisms for how BPA does this. In fact, Dr. Karazian has published a, a research study about this, and I have a video on my YouTube channel about this, like reviewing this study. Um so it's a cool study, and, and you know, again, some of my mentors involved with a lot of BPA research, Dr. Krause and Dr. Vegetani. Um, so this is called a review article: the potential roles of BPA pathogenesis in autoimmunity. So I want to post that video into the show notes because I don't want to just re regurgitate that info on on this podcast. But the bottom line is that BPA causes autoimmunity, not just thyroid autoimmunity, but autoimmunity. So that's plastics, that's plastic toys, that's soft plastic lids from a coffee cup that's especially heated. Um, that's your water bottles, that's reused water bottles. And I think that most people are pretty savvy with where BPA can be found. The BPA affects the thyroid. Now, there's a lot of different mechanisms for that. One of them is the a bacterial translocation of LPS. One of them is an effect on the pituitary. One of them is effect on stimulating T cells and promoting a shift, like a Th2 type shift with interleukin-4 and a B cell um, shift. There's also BPA binding protein. The antibody, you know, the BPA binding protein binds, BPA binds to host protein. And then you have a new antigen, like I mentioned before, and then you have autoimmunity against that new antigen. So that's, uh, that's, that's one way. Uh, another way is it's a thyroid and it's just an endocrine disruptor. It has xenoestrogen activity, which means it mimics estrogen and binds to estrogen receptors. It's also a thyroid endocrine disruptor. I don't remember, quite frankly, I'm not going to look back in the paper if it binds to thyroid receptors or, or how it does that. Um, but I know that it does. It also depletes glutathione, and it also affects uh, um, liver liver biotransformation in the liver, so detoxification. So phase one has an effect on phase one, activating inflammation, has an effect on phase two as well. And so that's really, 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 really important. Water-soluble metabolites like BPA are excreted in the urine, in the sweat, in the feces, through the kidneys. So in BPA has a lot of a lot of these effects. So Anyway, I'm looking at this graphic right now that's in Karazian's study. And again, I go through this entire study um, on my video. Here's a couple of things, the potential roles of BPA pathogenesis in autoimmunity. It disrupts cytokine P450. That's liver biotransformation. There's estrogenic activation of immune responses. There's Th17 activation, which is autoimmune tissue damage. There's suppression of regulatory T cells, which are autoimmune peacemakers and bring balance to autoimmune. 
There's Th1 and Th2 polarization, so all those are immune functions. There's the promotion of hyperprolactinemia, so that's more of the pituitary stuff. There's the promotion of regulatory B cell activity. BPA binding protein promotes a new epitope, so that's the epitope spreading or the new epitope, rather, um, of that binding, and there's a new protein that then is then formed. There's the amplification of antigen-presenting cell activity, so it, it amplifies dendritic cell um, antigen present, presentation. There's molecular mimicry, and there's LPS promotion of nitrosative reactions. So, and then the last, I guess there's one more, activation of TH17 aryl hydrocarbon receptors. So a, a variety of ways that BPA can mess things up, and not just with thyroid, but with, uh, with autoimmune in general. So I'll link that video um, in, in, my, in my notes, show notes. Um, okay, so the next one, the next one is going to be da, 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 mercury. So I'm pulling some stuff up here because I have. So I just did a quick, you know, I've known that mercury is toxic to the thyroid for years. Um, and the next two, I'm going to say are very important because they're both like they're most widely used in, in the dental industry. And so if you ever have a dentist or anybody else tell you that mercury is toxic, that person is an idiot. And I, I, you know, I say that with all due respect. I, I don't like to name call by any means, but I mean that quite frankly. Uh, there's a lot of people that will say stupid things like that when mercury is the second most toxic known substance on the face of the earth. That's not an arguable fact. Um, that's just a fact. Now, dentists have some been, somehow been brainwashed to think that once you put mercury into a filling, it just like stays there. And that's absolutely false. I think off gases, that thing leaks and leaches. Um, and it's been proven time and time and time again. So mercury and fluoride are going to be the next two. But mercury is a very, very, very toxic substance. It comes from dental stuff, comes from vaccine adjuvants, comes from fish, um, seafood, you know, different different sources of, of mercury. Even comes from like uh, uh, air pollution, like in Salt Lake, where I used to live, there's a lot of mercury in the air because there's actually a lot of mercury in the Great Salt Lake. And as the lake dries up and evaporates, there's a lot of mercury in the pollution from, from my understanding. So mercury is a very toxic, heavy metal. So again, I've known that mercury has been toxic to the thyroid for many, many years, but I just did a quick PubMed search and it was like super easy to find the research. I mean, there's tons and tons of studies. So the first one that I found right here is is probably the best one uh, because it's a meta-analysis from 2021. So what a meta-analysis does, it looks at all the other studies that are out there. And so it says they want, it says the relation, they're looking at the relationship between mercury and thyroid hormones in the general population. So they looked at uh, 18 studies, 4,000 for, for almost 5,000 articles, 18 met our inclusion criteria, um, and 13 were eligible to be included in the meta-analysis. The meta-analysis results suggest that blood mercury may be significantly associated with thyroid hormone levels. The presence of mercury in blood may significantly increase the level of TSH and, fr and, uh, and free T4 with the opposite association in T4 um, and yeah, so it says the conclusion, this meta-analysis indicates that exposure to mercury in blood could significantly correlate with the levels of TSH, T4, and free T4 in the general population. Therefore, it is crucial to control the use of mercury and strengthen the protection of the thyroid. Now, again, I'm just reading the abstract, um, but that's, that's from 2021. It's a meta-analysis. Here's another one. It says the relation between human exposure to mercury and thyroid hormone status. So it says, da, 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 there was a positive correlation 
between maternal uh what's THG? Thyroid oh mercury <laughs> with thyroid mercury and children's TSH. So there's a positive correlation between maternal mercury and children's TSH. Oh, that's interesting because this is mother and children mother child pairs. So they looked at mom's mercury levels and and then children's TSH. And their the T three and free T three levels in children were negatively correlated to cord blood mercury. That means that the higher that mercury went, the lower that thyroid hormones went, which is interesting. In the majority, which was the Caucasian subgroup, whereas these associations were positive in the Roma subgroup. So that's interesting. Uh, mothers with dental amalgam fillings had significantly lower T4 and free T4. Moreover, free T4 in the mothers of boys negatively correlated with maternal uh, mercury levels. Um Mercury, methyl mercury exposure lowered T3 levels in the mothers of girls. So it's just like interesting results that, that were non-conclusive, uh, I would say. But again, all these studies it, it point to a probable uh, association. Now here's another one, thyroid hormones in relation to lead, mercury, and cadmium. This is from NHANES data. So NHANES, um, you know, is, is, is great, 2007 NHANES. So let's say results, da 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 well, let's just say here, associations, uh, conclusions. Our analysis suggests an inverse association between mercury exposure and thyroid hormones. Um, so I think that mercury, that, that, that's repeated throughout many of these studies, um, mercury levels. And yeah, let's see what this one says. Da, 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 da. Um, da, 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 and other toxic metals. Mercury can trigger genotoxicity. Here's what this one says. This one is called uh, mercury in the human thyroid gland, potential implications for thyroid cancer, autoimmune thyroiditis, and hypothyroidism. It's again from 2021. So that I don't know. Those are all pretty new. So I, I think that. As the research continues to, to come out about this, it's not going to, you know, th- uh, mercury is not going to be found innocent. <laughs> you know, if, you, if you're really presenting the right evidence to a uh, logical jury, mercury is not going to be innocent. I can guarantee you that. Um, so it says, uh, conclusions, the proportion of people with mercury in their thyroid follicular cells increases with age. So it accumulates as you age, which makes sense, until it is present in over one third of people aged 60 years and over. So mercury is present in thyroid follicular cells in a third of people over 60. Other toxic metals in thyroid cells could enhance mercury toxicity. So again, it's not always mercury. Maybe it's mercury and BPA. Maybe it's mercury and perchlorate. You know, I'm speculating, of course, but it's not always, excuse me, just mercury, and it's impossible to control for all those other variables. It says mercury can trigger genotoxicity, meaning it's toxic to the genome, autoimmune reactions, and oxidative damage. You know, it's well known that mercury can trigger autoimmune reactions. That's not controversial in the least bit. And oxidative damage, which raises the possibility that mercury could play a role in the pathogenesis of thyroid cancers, autoimmune thyroiditis, and hypothyroidism. So that's from PLOS1. um, And that is from uh, earlier this year. So, or or, excuse me, 2021, rather. I'm, I'm always living in the past, I guess. Um, and so th- that's mercury. I think mercury is scary. You want to avoid it. Uh, you want to detoxify it. Um, and the next is fluoride. So again, these are both high in the dental community, of course. Um, and both dentists will tell you 
that they're benign. And I also maybe didn't mention this before. Maybe I did, but you know, when I'm kind of ragging on dentists, my dad is a dentist. I grew up in a dentist's office. I'm very grateful for the practice of dentistry. It paid for my college, you know. Um, but dentistry is toxic. And if they tell you that it's not, again, the research continues to come out implicating the implicating its guilt. Um, it's absolutely toxic. Now, I'm not saying that it's better than you know, having your teeth raw, I, I don't know, but it's absolutely toxic um, if that's the question. So now here's fluoride. So fluoride also has a very interesting background. You know, fluoride is, is mainly used for dental purposes to strengthen teeth, but fluoride has a very interesting background when you look into it. And it, I, I don't want to speculate and things like that, but, and I can't remember the whole story off the top of my head, but it's something like there was a lot of fluoride that was waste and it's toxic waste. And they were looking for new ways to use it. And finally, they found like, oh, fluoride helps harden enamel on teeth. Let's add it to the drinking water. Then all of a sudden, they found a good use for all this fluoride. But the research has never been that strong. Um, and the toxicity research has always been pretty strong, even with things with IQ and things. So let's look at this. Um, this is Canada. And it says fluoride exposure and thyroid function among adults living in Canada effect modification by iodine status. So they're looking at iodine status as well with this because fluoride is a bromide or, or excuse me, is a halogen and they those block iodine uptake in the thyroid and iodine is again very necessary for, for thyroid production. In fact, T3, which is triiodothyroid, I think something like that, but it's got iodo in the middle. Um, and thyroxine is just, you know, there's four of them and then iodine gets removed. And, and so iodine is very uh, integral in the structure of thyroid hormone. Um, so this says, in Canada, approximately 18% of people fell in the moderately to severe iodine deficient range. Da, 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 da. And it says among iodine deficient adults, no, let's see, where does it say about uh, fluoride? Uh, it's the first population-based to, to examine the impact of chronic low-level fluoride exposure on thyroid function while considering iodine status. Um, and it says, so here's the conclusion. Adults living in Canada who have moderate to severe iodine deficiencies and have higher levels of urinary fluoride may be at an increased risk for underactive thyroid gland activity. So they just correlated those three things, uh, fluoride levels and iodine deficiency and you're more likely to have a low-functioning thyroid. Um, here's one that called, it's from Scientific Reports, 2018, The Impact of Drinking Water Fluoride on Human Thyroid Hormones, a Case Control Study. Now, let's just go down to the end. Da, 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 da. It was found that fluoride has impacts on TSH, T3 hormones, even in the standard concentration of less than 0.5 milligrams per liter. So 0.5 milligrams per liter must be like what's considered the, the healthy, healthy you know, level. But even at sub, uh, subclinical levels or sub, you know, not, not toxic levels, subtoxic levels, it even had an impact on TSH and T3 hormones. Application of standard household water purification devices was recommended for hypothyroidism. So uh, water purification, again, is going to hopefully get rid of thyroid or get rid of fluoride, rather, and also get rid of perchlorate and also get rid of heavy metals and things that are in the water. So you want to know where these sources are coming from. Uh, and it says even the, the first line in this study, so same study, scientific reports, it says the elevated fluoride from drinking water 
impacts T3, T4, and TSH hormones. The aim of the study was to Im- the aim of the study impacts of drinking water on fluoride on T3, T4, and TSH hormones. And so even with that, you know, it's in the abstract, of course, but they don't even cite it. So, um, and it's, it, here's the intro. Over the past decade, several studies have focused on the effects of environmental toxins on the human endocrine system, including the impact of fluoride on the thyroid gland. Globally, millions of people suffer from thyroid-related diseases. When the thyroid gland does not function properly, it can affect multiple aspects of our health. The most important effect in thyroid complications is in pregnant women, can raise blood pressure, can increase the risk of miscarriage, can affect brain development, and all the things. Um, and this is the adverse effects. Wait, let's see what. Oh, no, that's cancer. The adverse effects of fluoride on animal and human health are well documented in the literature. The effects of high fluoride ingestion through drinking water, green tea, and ambient air pollution on thyroid hormones were investigated in both human and animals. Some studies reported a reduction in T3, T4, as well as an abnormal increase in TSH levels. Someone else, another group, said that even at one milligram per liter of fluoride, T3 levels reduced in teenagers. Um, During the years of 2007 to 2016, the parents of fluoride-poisoned children has reported over 190 studies on the effects of fluoride on thyroid hormones, including studies on both animals and humans. Some studies have discovered the relation between dental fluorosis and thyroid disease. The effect of thyroid hormones on learning memory was investigated. They found that fluoride reduced the T4 and T3 levels and has generational and cumulative effects on the development of the offspring. Whoa, that is heavy and that is major, you know? So, I think that this is, you know, a, a enough of these four toxins. Now, fluoride, again, is going to be drinking water, going to be dental toothpaste, um, things like that. Now, what my dad has said, and, and I think that he just wants to get out of the argument, uh, but he's like, okay, I'll admit that if it's ingested, it's bad. But if we use it in a dental treatment, then it's not as bad. You're spitting it out. Or if it's in toothpaste, you're spitting it out. And I'm like, I'm okay to agree with that too. I don't think that fluoride has no effect on enamel, but you better believe that I ain't doing that. <laughs> there's no way. Uh, so fluorides and supplements, and my kids do. There's no way. Uh, toothpaste and t- my kids. I don't think my kids. I don't know. Maybe my mother-in-law is a hygienist. I'm sure she sneaks some fluoride treatments, but they're smoking crack if you ask me. Uh, toothpaste enhanced with fluoride, fluoridated water supplies, mouthwashes enhanced with fluoride, and foods that are processed with fluoridated water are all sources of fluoride. So again, just not my thing, uh, but love them. And it's just, you know, it's fine to have a, 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 a um, what's the word, cordial argument. You know, I was actually at a seminar this past weekend or two weekends ago, and it was there was some of the top immunologists in the world and some of the most famous people in the world of functional medicine, some of the people that I really, really look up to. And one of them was clearly pro-vaccine and one of them was clearly not for the concept. He said, I'm an immunologist. I do not think that this is a good idea. I'm talking COVID vaccines. But they were both best friends and they were hugging and laughing and loving each other all weekend. They've known each other for decades and years. And I thought that, that was very, 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 very cool. And same thing with my dad and my mother-in-law. Like, hey, we can agree to disagree as long as you know who's right and it's me. We, just kidding. But we can agree to disagree. And, you know, who cares? You know, it's like, I'm not trying to win this argument. I'm just trying to help sick people not get sick and help healthy people not get sick and help sick people get well. Um, 
and I think that they're trying to as well, you know, in their own in their own right. So I also see a lot of dentists, like not, I see some dentists as patients, but I see a lot of dentist kids. I see a lot of dentist wives. I see like, you know, I, I think that dentistry is toxic. It's also one of the top suicide and top depression uh, industries that exists. I think it's number two to air, airline air traffic controllers, like for for suicides and things like that. So anyway, I digress, but toxins matter. Um, and so speaking of which, I'm going to go get in the sauna now that this podcast is over. So sauna, detox. I'm also going to be doing some podcasts coming up about how do you detox, how do you detox, how do you detox? Because looking for the exposures, looking for the sources, looking for the thyroid problems, those are that's hard enough. But then how do you get rid of it or how do you, you know, avoid it? You know, water filtration, I get a mention, but sauna, glutathione, you know, all, all the things that we're going to talk about, detox pathways and protocols. So check the show notes um, for uh, like the video that I have about Dr. Karazian's study um, and, and, you know, some other things that I'll just maybe link in there about toxins. But the top four, again, were perchlorate, BPA, mercury, and fluoride. Okay, so those are the top four, in my opinion. Um, and so I think that avoiding all of those and just being aware of toxins in general, really, really important to an autoimmune case or to anybody with a heartbeat and a pulse and a brain that wants to stay healthy. I think we can all agree that, that at some degree of exposure, toxins are healthy and the solution to pollution is dilution. So getting those toxins out of your body, getting them diluted, getting them, you know, filtered and and not exposure is very, very, very crucial. Um, so anyway, leave us a rating, leave us a review, schedule a 15 minute phone console. If you want to visit, uh, autoimmunedocpodcast.com. Find me on Instagram. If I didn't say that, uh, click on my YouTube channel, um, two YouTube channels. Um, and yeah, stay tuned because we're going to keep talking about toxins. Thanks. Thanks.